0: Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Can you take a moment to ask yourself a few questions for me? Are you overwhelmed at the moment? Have you maybe been overwhelmed recently? Are you working too much? Are you tapping into your hobbies or creativity enough? When was the last time you had meaningful time away from work? And the question I really like, What are the meaningful things you do that are not considered work for you? This question in particular has been top of mind for me. After reading a book titled, How to Not Always Be Working, a Toolkit for Creativity and Radical Self Care. It's by Marley Grace. It's a small book. It's a gorgeous book. And I consumed all of Marley's book in one day. I not only read it, but I did the helpful exercises that are dispersed throughout the book. And once I finished it, I had to get in touch with her for a conversation. And I'm grateful that I was able to make that happen. Again, let's think about the title of the book, How to Not Always Be Working. It's a brilliant title. I've had to go through my own journey of figuring out how to do that myself. And it's what's launched the entire Time Off Project. And at the heart of the Time Off Project is paying more attention to activities outside of work. It's about having what we call a rest ethic Marley's book is an excellent asset for anyone wanting to design their own rest ethic. It was helpful for me, and I'm in the depths of studying the topic all the time. And even though I've just recently become acquainted with Marley through this interview, I consider her, and I say this proudly, a collaborator in a larger movement of helping people design more meaningful time off in their lives. So more about Marley, the author, and our guest today. Marley Grace is a dancer, she's a writer, she's an artist, and shape maker. She wrote the book, How to Not Always Be Working, as well as other magazines or zines about sobriety and phone addiction. So she has other work just outside of the book I mentioned. Interesting note about her, she teaches improvisation as a dance form in real life. She has online classes for art making and rituals and sees one-on-one clients who want to unblock their creativity and small business practices. She facilitates a project called Center that is an experiment unfolding in space and time. And it has a residency in an online shop. Speaking of her online shop, she has a number of online courses that are really awesome. I highly recommend checking them out. And if you're on Instagram, she has an awesome Instagram page. She also writes a weekly newsletter that I think is worthy of your inbox. So on this episode, Marley and I talk about one of her new hobbies, which is skateboarding. We talk about why it is important to separate your work activities from your not work activities One of my favorite things we talk about is <laughs> why you don't really need a vacation responder for when you take time off. You have to listen to that part. It's about halfway through the interview. We talk about the importance of dancing, other inspiring people to follow on Instagram, and how our creative generation is carving a healthy path for the future of our society. So, we talk about a lot. Marley is so sweet and talented, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So, how did you spend your time this morning?
1: Um, kind of slow. I'm looking. I'm looking to buy a car, so I spent. <laughs> I spent it. Look, and I. I've gotten attached to wanting like a late '90s, early '2000s Jeep Cherokee. And so I've um, been looking for one on Craigslist. There's one like an hour away. And so then I have to decide, like, do I want to drive an hour? It's from a used car dealer. So they don't really know actually much about it. And so I'm like, is it safe to buy from a used car dealer? I don't, it's just adult questions. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and and once you have this Cherokee is it is it I I when you said Jeep Cherokee I'm like oh nice adventure vehicle
1: yes thank you
0: Is is that the is that the purpose of it
1: you know um to be quite honest my girlfriend has a Jeep Cherokee and it's I like driving it a lot and I it's sort of like an aesthetic thing too like it just it's a good looking car I think I I like trucks I used to have a like a Toyota truck and and I used to have a Subaru Forester. Those are the two cars I've had. And so the Jeep feels like a combination. It's like kind of rattly like a truck, but you have like a back seat and a trunk like a Subaru. So
0: Yeah, I converted from a truck to an SUV, and it's nice to still have that feeling of having a bed, but yes. it's enclosed and it's like, oh, I can put groceries back there and not feel exactly. too worried about it. <laughs> this this last weekend I had some quality time off on the Texas coast and it was little did I know how much I needed it for like my resting my creative soul. I'm curious how you spent your weekend.
1: Yeah. How did I spend my weekend? Wow. I'm like, what did I do this weekend? Well, we just, so I just moved to the other side of Michigan. I've been living on the West side of Michigan for the last eight months. And so my partner and I just moved here. So we've been doing a lot of just sort of like settling in and getting our house feeling the way we want it to. And yeah, I did some, yes. Well, this isn't technically the Mondays. I sort of, no, I don't know if I have a weekend. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I'm literally trying to be like, what did I do this weekend? Um, I skateboarded yesterday. That's what's on my mind right now. That's what I like to do in sort of my, whatever my weekend time yeah. feels like is, is skateboarding. Is this
0: so, like, like skate park, skateboarding, city yeah. skateboarding, longboarding? Can you describe um, it to me?
1: Yeah. Skate park, skateboarding. I started skating in April and it totally changed my life. It's truly my like down, my downtime, thing to do. And yeah, there's a beautiful skate park in Ann Arbor, and it's so fun. And yeah, it just feels really good to skateboard with friends. And so yeah, we had a big skate day yesterday. It was really nice.
0: You know, anyone that does something that I I find most people would consider dangerous. Yeah, I've been been looking into the, the value in that outside of just the the community element, but in the physical activity element. But I think there's something about frequently doing something that's hobby esque that is dangerous. That's helpful for like personality growth. Mm. And do you do you find that that edge of skateboarding provides you has any value aside from just being fun?
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, there's absolutely like a thrill and a danger to skateboarding. I think especially, I don't really identify as like a very sporty person. In fact, in like the sixth grade, I played soccer and got a ball kicked into my stomach and I got the wind knocked out of me and basically like never did anything sporty again. Um, I became a dancer and stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, I feel like skateboarding is 100% has like a thrill and a danger to it that I think it, for me, it's also just, it felt so scary. It was something I like avoided trying for so long. Cause I was like, that's too scary. And now that I do it, I, I definitely feel like I'm a much stronger, braver person for it. So
0: yeah, there's a, there's a psychologist that said one of the biggest pieces of advice for parents, especially like, the helicopter mom or dad that's like super worried mm-hmm. that yeah their advice is like, let your kid go and skateboard. And it doesn't have to be skateboarding, but doing something right. slightly dangerous will assist with that character development because you go a little outside of your comfort zone. You're like, oh, wow, not only did I overcome that, but that was actually fun. So what else can I sign up for that's slightly intimidating?
1: I mean, skateboarding is such an interesting, specific thing to talk about because it's so in the mainstream it's so dominated by white straight men who are sort of broy and have this sort of like competitive nature and I think there's this huge wave of like a lot of queers and folks of color and you know this kind of new wave of alternative skateboarding that's that's coming up that's also so beautiful that I feel like it's a lot of kid, like I say kids I'm a I'm a 31 year old woman but like a lot of like kids me myself um people who didn't feel that permission either from the skateboarding community or like you said from just the world being like this is too scary but it's funny because it's like it's such a camaraderie building and cur- just like at the skate park there were like two random <clears throat> people there who we'd never met before like one person I was skating with sort of knew and it was just so fun to like it's really nice when you because a lot of times the energy at a skate park is kind of hard and it is like people with just energy that doesn't feel welcoming and so it's so nice when you like meet strangers at the skate park who are like cheering you on when you try new stuff and you get to have like the risk and the danger and Mm -hmm. the, the togetherness which I love
0: totally it reminds me of in in the time off book working on this chapter that is all about a weird study into the importance of playgrounds and we we use the you know the typical playground that comes to mind but also like if you analyze that word playground it's just a grounds of play and a skate park is very much a, a playground and oh 100% do you do you find that even though it's not work that your time there on the the skate park the skate grounds is helpful for your ultimate ultimately your work
1: yeah i mean it's you know something i it's you know struggle with is how to is how to separate play and work and you know i built a whole career basically out of processing my life out loud and sharing it with other people so that you know includes skateboarding and i share skateboarding you know, whether it's on my Instagram or I write a lot about what it's done for me in my newsletter, but I really try to, you know, I enter a tap, like swimming sort of falls under the same category to me. I talk a lot about swimming and the importance of swimming to me, but it's like swimming and skateboarding, the, the acts of doing them themselves, I try to be very clear that it's not it's not work. You know, I can't work while I do that. But of course, I think freedom of ideas and inspiration come to me through those activities that absolutely, especially as a writer, I think absolutely, you know, flow into my into my work.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, s- speaking of your work here in my in my two, <laughs> two hands is this adorable. I just like oh, holding no. up against my chest. <laughs> this book which is how to not always be working and the title is pretty self explanatory. Yeah. First of all, congratulations. The book is a very beautiful piece of work. Thank you. And chapter three is titled, what is not my work? And I'll read at the introduction of it. You say, identifying what is not your work can be one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself. And after going through the exercises, I agree that it's very powerful and it was because I went about making my list just like you did of all the things that Mm -hmm. essentially answering the question what is not my work and I had a very long list and I'm like wow I actually live a quite leisurely life
1: yeah and even though
0: I'm in the middle of writing a book and it can feel like I don't it's like well actually I'm quite privileged and this is really amazing and I mean if you don't mind I'm going to read off a few of your examples (laughs) of card games, eating dinner, making herbal infusions, which is, I think, really cool. You have meditating, going for a walk, camping, lying on the couch and listening to a record, parentheses, and not multitasking, <laughs> which yeah. made me laugh out loud when I read that, and also listening to a podcast and not multitasking, and the list goes on. So I want to talk about this concept of, in, that you bring forth in the third chapter of your book, what is not my work? Can you, in your words, answer why is that important for listeners to do that exercise for themselves?
1: Yeah, I actually, I really appreciate hearing, having you read them back to me, because when you first started talking about it, I was like, oh my God, is anything not my work right now? You know, I, I'm i also... Working on a new book right now. That's like even more personal. That's even more about my life and everything I do. And so, yeah, it's funny that I'm sort of currently facing this more than usual. But I, or even just talking about skateboarding and thinking like, I'm like, accidentally turn everything into my work. But I love, yeah, I love that list because I think, I think I I was just before you read it. I was like, I think the only thing I can think of right now is like physical, like, like having sex with my partner, basically. I'm like, is that the only thing that is at work? And then I was immediately like, what if I become a sex columnist one day? You know, it's like, it's so easy for me to be like, everything is going to be my work. And so I like those. Um, I think, I think another separation for me is like the task I have a lot of tasks that are not my work, but that I talk about in my work. Mm. And I, I try to give myself permission. Like I remember when I, before I started skateboarding, when I was still living in California, I started surfing. And I remember being like, surfing will not be my work. Surfing will not be my work. And I'll never forget like the first time I wrote about surfing in my newsletter. I was like, oh no, did I just make surfing my work? And I was like, no, surfing itself is not my job, but it is my job to talk about what I do to relax and to rest and to recharge. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. I really like, I think my favorite one that you just read was the like laying on the couch listening to a record. Cause I do think a lot about like my work is what I don't share publicly. Like what I don't share on social media, what I don't share in my newsletter. And sometimes I'll say what I'm listening to, but those moments I keep pretty private. Like I don't share my altar. Like I don't, I, for me, it's like and again if you're like a tarot reader you're going to share your altar right you're going to share what like cards you're drawing that day but like for me I kind of try to keep my spiritual practice separate in terms of visually I I may talk about it sometimes but yeah there's certain like visual parts of my life I just try to keep for myself
0: Yeah I think in today's especially knowledge economy creative economy there's a there's a part here in the third chapter That I had highlighted that I really love and I'd love for you to to speak to this or echo to this you say when I'm not sharing is when I am not working and I underlined that like three times because as a as a creative myself I feel like even though it's very enjoyable to create art and share it sometimes the best research and development I can do is to just not be in the world of sharing things and like this weekend I was at the beach and there's all these amazing moments and incredible aesthetic beauty on the coast and Mm -hmm. i definitely had that urge of like oh i should take a shot and like take a photo that in this angle and post about it with some profound quote because it's super inspiring but (laughs) i I, I was i was doing my best to be like no like i'm gonna just capture that with my eyeballs and my thoughts and my breath and that's gonna that's gonna store in some way and come out again later when i am working which is when i am needing to share something Mm -hmm. and i really liked. How you differentiated that? Well, when I'm not sharing, which as an artist you're sharing a lot, uh, is when you're not working. Is that does that still ring true to you today? As much now that you're deep in a few projects.
1: Yeah, I think you know something that came up for me about what you just said also is like the urgency. I think I try to like find some pause when I feel an urgent need to post something. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, um, because again, we're, we're living in this world where we have to separate our professional desire and plan to share our work and the addiction to validation mm. um, from social media. And so I think that's another thing I'm always staying curious about or staying playful with is like why like the why behind when I want to share something and it's tricky when I, if I'm not po- if I'm not posting it doesn't mean I'm not working mm-hmm. I could very well be I hope I'm working and <laughs> I hope posting isn't the only way it but that's another cycle I get into is like I wanna you know it's like living in capitalism is like our we're tying our worth to our productivity and so it's like I I always want to look productive and I think that's the other thing that can be confusing is I can post a lot and look like I'm doing a lot when I'm actually really not and I'm actually can sometimes be tricking myself I'm not trying to trick anybody else I think I'm trying to trick myself because for me right now it's like what is my work is writing a book and and preparing for this online class that I'm teaching next month and so like those two things are my and um doing some uh, I'm finishing my taxes right now from the last few years.
0: Oh, that's so fun!
1: <laughs> it's really fun. I'm trying to make it fun. My I have like a mentor who the other day said, "How can we make finishing these taxes feel like skateboarding?" and I was like Ooh. yes a dangerous adventure. Yeah, um, yeah. All so, of all of
0: the all of the line items in the financials you just have to treat like a like a rail that you're grinding. Yes. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I think taking breaks from sharing helps me actually return to my work. So like you said, it's like what can I be storing? You know, what needs to maybe simmer a little longer before I just announce it to the world.
0: Mhm. I'm really glad you brought up the the concept of this desire or this sort of urge to always feel productive and capitalist reality we live Mm -hmm. in. And one thing I wanted to ask was I I do notice living here in the U S that there seems to be this climate, sort of an obsession of achievement and success. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it can feel very aggressive at times with Twitter and, you know, people I follow on there that are posting their milestones and their achievements. And, You know, the the classic line, social media is for most people, their highlight reel rather than their behind the scenes. And a bunch of people's highlight reels can feel aggressive, like I can't keep up myself. And so the, the question I have is, ultimately, we get to define as an individual our own definition of what success is for us. And I was curious for you, with all the great work you do, what does success look like for you with all this wonderful things you put out into the world what feedback are you looking for the universe to give to you that that has you feel good about the work you're doing and in, in wanting to continue to work so diligently on it
1: yeah that's a beautiful question i i think a lot about like my personal success which for me has a lot to do with like Maintenance, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with sort of outside achievement, like do, like doing stuff like my taxes and and stretching every day and doing my morning pages and going to twelve step meetings. Like I have a lot that I do have to do every day just to like be at a kind of in a neutral state. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of my like, if you know, a day is successful. I'm usually measuring it against myself, which can be a little bit dangerous. I talk a lot about I'm Virgo rising, which is just like really high standards for others and self a lot of the time. So I'm sort of like, I have to both be gentle as I measure that success, but I'm like, did I eat a vegetable today? Did I (laughs) drink enough water today? You know, A lot of that is like Marley's personal success because yeah, I have... Because another thing that comes up for me is, which maybe is another question or subject, but is imposter syndrome. And I was just talking to a friend recently who, my friend Ocean wrote a book and is a New York Times bestseller. And we were talking and he was just like, yeah, it's like, you'd think that is the marker, right? That you're like, here, I'm here. I made it. I'm successful. And instead you're actually like, they're gonna, I'm They're now they're gonna know, like, now they're gonna know I'm a fraud. Like, it's just, you know, sometimes when, like, when I got a second book deal, I remember, I, you'd think that would be a day, right, that you're like, I'm successful, I did it, like, I just signed this big book deal. Mm-hmm. And instead, it just, in me triggers this, like, who the hell do I think I am? Like, mm. why does someone think that I should do this? Like, you know, it really brings up. And so that's where, to me, this my own success is measured in like, when I face those those dark feelings, like how do I navigate them yeah. with, with grace and love for myself, so.
0: Grace and love is two beautiful words, but I just wanted to also thank you for, for me, when you're saying that, I I just, I was smiling, or maybe, the, you know that, maybe it's not smiling, I think, I think the emoji is the calm emoji, you know, it's mm. like eyes closed and kind of a grin. Yeah. It, yeah. The word that came up for me was humility, and so mm. I, I noticed yeah. a, a good amount of humility, because you're right, it's like, there's certainly a lot attached to the effort that you're putting in, the universe is responding back to you, but you know, there's so much that is the unmeasurable the some might call luck and just chance that these things happen and to have that thought of like, like why me like man this is a lot of responsibility in recognizing your your flaws and your mess ups and i i think that you do a great job in the book too there's many moments when you utilize the parentheses to interject your own like hey i'm not perfect i'm a human and i've messed these things up too and i think that opens up people to to really want to listen to what you have to say because it's relatable in that way.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm thinking a lot about too just being a dancer, you know, I have these, um, I think sometimes when people are like, Oh, what do you do? I'm, I'm often like, I've always been like, am I a dancer? I have this weird relationship with dancing and Mm -hmm. you know, I have a, I have a college degree in dance. I teach dance. I self published a book about dance. I've been in, the Huffington Post, Dance Magazine, The New York Times, like all the markers of like great success. I have tens of thousands of people who watch my dance videos every day. Classic markers of success, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, the, the most powerful feeling is when someone messages me and is like, I haven't danced in like 20 years and wow. you make me want to dance again and now I'm dancing again and I'm just like that like that is success to me like Mm. just knowing that I think especially for dancing that people who either do identify as dancers or don't are sort of like you make me want to dance. And I'm like, yes, that's that's the success to me. I did it. I made it.
0: So when you say dance, I'm curious. I, I love dancing as well. I by no means have a background in dancing. I just, my mom used to always say if I was going to be a good partner to someone, I needed to learn how to cook, how to clean, and how to dance, most importantly. And dancing for me has been this beautiful expression. But when you say dance, I'm curious, like what kind of dance?
1: Um. So my... Training is in, well, I grew grew up as a ballerina and then became a modern dancer when I I went to the University of Michigan and studied modern dance. And then my sort of continued studies have been in compositional improvisation. So I study with a group of women that call themselves the architects and they are, yeah, improvisational performance artists. And... Yeah, so like four years ago I started this project called Personal Practice. That's just an Instagram feed where I wasn't like dancing as much as I wanted to. And I kept saying that sentence and it was so it got so annoying to me that I was like, what does it mean to to like not do something as much as you want to when you're literally your own boss and completely in control of your schedule? I was like, I can just make time for this. So I was like, maybe I'll see what it's like to have like this accountability practice. So Four years later, and lots of people who look every day. It, yeah, it really changed my life. And it, you know, it just I just did it for myself, and I never, I never. It's it's anywhere from like me, very serious dancing to like ambient music my friends make to like me dancing to Taylor Swift in my underwear. So
0: it's,
1: <laughs> it's relatable on many levels. But
0: yeah. yeah, I recently started to go to a, a, an ecstatic dance here. Cool. In- I mean I get lost and let the music just sort of flow through me and have my own experience but sometimes the therapy for me is just watching other people completely let go in yeah. in this moment of dance and expression where it it's one of the most rich moments most saturated moments of human connection that I currently have like in my in any of my practices because watching someone just lose themselves is like the last time I saw that uh, unfortunately, frequently was like when I was a kid and yeah. kids are just kind of going wild and doing whatever they want. And there's something about that in the adult world when you see that to, re- to remind ourselves that that inner child is still there.
1: Yeah, it's like another playground.
0: Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I want to talk about, because this is something listeners are always asking me is they're like, hey, I get it, I know having a rest (laughs) ethic is important, time off is important, and they can reason with that themselves. But in today's world, a constant struggle that I've observed is people are like, hey, when I am going to take time off, whatever that looks like for me, they're worried about expectations. And what I mean by that is it could be friends, family, colleagues, how to prepare those people so that they can respect their need for that time off or time away. Do you have any insights, anecdotes about how you've, as a successful person with a lot of things going on, how you are still able to be disciplined about taking time off, taking time away, and making sure other people respect that as well?
1: Yeah, my gut answer which is maybe a little sassy is i'm like you don't owe anybody anything (laughs) you know it's like i'm like don't even make a vacation reminder on your email you know i think we i i notice a lot of people will be like i'm taking a social media break which i think i've done i think i've been like i'm taking the week off with so and so it's an experiment or something but it's like i think people are like they like warn their followers they're like i'm gonna I'm going to be gone this week. I'm like, don't, you don't need to tell them that. Like they're not, you don't owe that. I don't think we owe. I think there's this like weird responsibility to, because a lot of people, myself included, sort of accidentally maybe become these sort of like public figures that a lot of people are looking to, which is a privilege and a beautiful thing. I'm very grateful, but like, I don't need to say like, I'm taking time off. Don't email me. Like, email me if you want. I'm not. I just. I'm not going to answer. Like, I think we need to give ourselves more permission to hold the boundary, um, rather than expecting other people to hold the boundary. And of course, if you're like in a normal, more more of a normalized like day job, then I think it is really important. Like, because I do see my friends who are like, oh, my boss is like trying to get me to do this design thing again or like meet this deadline. And I said, I was taking the day off is to be like, well, you can either not respond to them because you already informed them you were not working today. Um, or you can just, you know, be really gentle and be like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to respond until tomorrow.
0: That's, that's, wow. Thank you for answering (laughs) that in that sassy way. I mean, it's, it's also just important because, you know, I've noticed too, in my own consulting practices that, you know, you get what you tolerate. And if yeah. I respond to the client's email, when they email me on weekends, even though I have sort of a personal policy of trying not to be on digital screens on the weekend, it's like, if I respond to it, I've just trained them to expect yes. that I'm going yes. to do that. So by not doing it, I'm also training them to be like, all right, well, he doesn't answer or she doesn't answer on yeah. the weekends.
1: <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. That's brilliant. Yes.
0: <laughs> so I think you have a very beautiful Instagram, not only aesthetically, but wow. you know, the time you take to put into the captions is wonderful. Thanks. I was curious, what are one to three of your favorite accounts to follow?
1: Oh, um, well, I just thought of, I I, I've thought of this person because I want to give them credit. I feel like for teaching me a lot of what I just said, which is Jamila Reddy. And that's that's her Instagram handle as well. Okay. Um, She's just an amazing, beautiful life coach and writer. And um, yeah, her Instagram is just insanely inspirational. And she just talks a lot about like, I don't owe anyone my time or explanation when I'm going through something or when I'm taking a break. And yeah, I love Jamila. Ellen Rutt is my favorite artist mm-hmm. and friend in Detroit. Let's see, a third. Don't worry, I have my phone here, I'm looking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, awesome.
1: Um, I don't know, who else? I love following Rachel Cargill, who's an amazing writer and lecturer, and she's an anti-racism educator, and I highly mm. recommend all folks Follow her. Yeah. Or maybe I'll have those be my cool three for now.
0: Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And speaking yeah. of speaking of that amazing yet also slightly dangerous, unbelievable supercomputer in your hand.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, a question I like to ask guests is if you could send Marley a push notification to everyone on their phone right now. So you all we are gonna grab their attention with that push notification. What would you want to say in that little bubble of a push notification?
1: Like I get to send something to
0: everyone? Yeah, I'm going to give you the power. Just We're hitting a button, and everyone with a smartphone gets this shared message.
1: It says, stay awake, stay alive, love yourself, and love each other.
0: Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> that was great. I like. I just want to
1: cry. I like felt it go out to everyone just now. I was like, oh, I'll just start saying that out loud.
0: You know what's so beautiful is that you know I'm I'm also 31 and oh
1: nice. And I, When's your birthday?
0: I'm a Pisces on March 8.
1: Wow, very cool. I'm June 2nd. I'm nice.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was, I'm feeling extra emotional today. Like I'm really in my Pisces nature. I'm just like emotional yeah. about it. Well,
1: we just had a Pisces full moon.
0: I, that, that's why I went to the coast to cool. see it. Like, I was like, I had to be near the ocean, taking yeah. it in. Oh,
1: yeah. That's really watery
0: of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I just think about, you know, it, it's easy to subscribe to today's modern news landscape of the whole world's crumbling and is on fire and and, and yeah. yet, you know, I, I, I listen to people of influence like you that have such beautiful things to say and this example of this intention to send this push notification out. And I've spent my career mainly as a technology entrepreneur. And I think about the digital tools and the capabilities that that we have increasingly access to. Like, our generation is going to step in into points of power and influence and you know that push notification reality of you as someone with great things to say like that is totally possible sooner rather than later for us to to do things like that. Yeah. And and it just gives me a lot of optimism of about where we're where we're heading thanks to this information transformational age that that we're in, you know, I think it was Plato who said those who tell the stories rule society and mm-hmm. We live in an era where people like you are growing influence and reach larger than some media organizations and are doing it in a much more generous manner. And so I think that you know what lies ahead thanks to our generation is going to be moments where those are the push notifications instead of breaking news, exclamation point, stay away, stay inside. It'll be rather moments of human connection. How do you feel about the future ahead?
1: I feel so good you know it's funny I had a day just this morning like I don't know what's in the air but like multiple friends who specifically friends who I feel like I have really um mutually but like you know friends who I either hosted as artist residents in my space or have collaborated with like friends who I feel like I've held space for in their in their creative practice have sent me messages today being like I got a book deal or like I fell in love today or like just like really big joyous things both on like the personal and the professional like all this morning like four different people and I'm like wow like that is that brings me so much joy and you know these are all people who are the world is not set up for us you know and that's what that's what i'm seeing in my close community of artists and people is like we are creating new futures by loving each other by being like i see you like we can do this like we can make a better world through our art and through our books and the way that we see each other and i really do see mm. shifts happening and mm. It's scary out there, you know, it's like, it's scary for me as a gay woman, and but I'm also white, I'm cis, gendered, like it's so much scarier for so many of my friends out there. And it's easy to unplug from that because if we just turn our screens off, you know, I live in the, literally live in the woods. I feel really grateful that I can tune that out. But then it's like the balance of like letting those narratives in because I want to remember what we're fighting against you know I don't I don't want to be so naive as to be like it's just all fun and we make art and it feels good Mm -hmm. but I do see where running something like an artist residency writing my books like you know not only does that have a ripple effect with strangers in my life but I I think that's another like success measure for me is when like my friends who I like really really love are like the way that we know each other has changed my life for the better and i feel that way about so many people in my life and mm-hmm. yeah i'd love to see fall 2020 change some things in our government <laughs> structure but in the meantime you know it's like even that you know we can't it's it it has to be on the underground level and
0: pretty always we're having enormous impact in our own realms of personal responsibility and
1: yeah yeah. oh yeah i love personal
0: responsibility yeah yeah well similar to my writing practice this is such a damn good conversation i'd like to uh wrap it up and then yeah because i'm like we could just keep on going forever and (laughs) when when i've been writing lately when i'm like oh i'm hitting this like really intense flow i've learned to at least for me it, it helps to press pause so that when i sit down again to write i'm in this in this great moment of momentum so i'd like to ask. What are you working on right now? What's coming up in the immediate future, and how can listeners best support you?
1: Uh, right now, I'm work really working on finishing this book that comes out next fall. It's called Getting to Center, and it's yeah sort of, you know this conversation is a lot of a lot of what it's about, and it's, it's sort of self help meets memoir meets something some some sort of spiritual business personal Mm -hmm. document that will be in book form and so yeah I'm working on that and I'm teaching an online class in October called everything is a sunset and yeah I've been really having a lot of fun teaching online in the past year yeah about I started about a year ago and I, I was really hesitant because I've I'm you know I've been I used to teach how to not always be working as a workshop and I teach a lot of dance workshops and all in, in real life. And I just really value teaching in real life. And I was just like, I don't want to be a person who teaches an online class. It's like, seem, I don't know. There's just something about it where I was like, it it just seems like more screen time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really, I feel like what my students are looking at on the screen is pretty fun. I keep it really fun and and. light even if we're t- we attacking, tackling sort of serious issues about the self and about our creative practice. But I love doing it. And it's been really fun. And it's another sort of measure of success for me. Mm-hmm. You know, even if if 100 people take the class, that's not the success as much as like the few who maybe come out of it. You know, somebody just emailed me the other day being like, I launched my online astrology class. And I'm just like, yes, like people who just, you know, aren't giving themselves permission and then seeing them sort of come out of it.
0: Yeah. And you're enabling that.
1: Yeah. I love to do that. It feels really fun. And yeah, I think that's how I, I want to create a better future is empowering Mm -hmm. other people who don't maybe see themselves in that way. So.
0: Yeah. And I'll, and I'll applaud you. You know, I've, I used to have a good amount of guilt around teaching as well. And one of the areas I teach is in uh, martial arts and a martial art called (gasps) Uh, jiu-jitsu and um, what helped me get over that and if it's helpful for you is you know the the very ancient wisdom of the best way to learn is to teach and so um, I think with these courses that you're teaching is ultimately allowing you to go deeper into your study which feeds into the art you have to share with us.
1: Yeah well it's funny I mean I that's definitely why I write why I write a weekly newsletter and why I write books is I even hearing you read my book back to me, I was like, wow, that's good. That's good shit. I was like, I was like, I really need, I was like, I really needed to hear that today. And then it's, and I mean, I also like so much of my creative practice feels very channeled. Like I don't have like a, I don't have a super new agey channeling practice, but like when I'm writing, if I'm really tapped in, you know, I, I, it's sort of like Elizabeth Gilbert's Famous, I think it's a TED talk about the genius. That's like mm-hmm. we aren't geniuses, but we have a genius who's like working through us. I really relate to that, so I never feel bad when I like read back my writing, and I'm like, "Damn, that is good!" Because I'm like, I didn't even write that; like somebody else did. My fingers just did the work.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna we we'll probably have to do a separate yeah uh, episode <laughs> around that because I I wrote a journal entry that I'm, that's I'm it's still like melting my mind. I I just had this thought of. And it's been, it's been said by a few psychologists that we don't have ideas, ideas have us. Yes. And, and we're like this channel. And to be that like weird radio antenna is so powerful. Yes. So powerful. Yeah. Well, Marley this has been very special. Your voice is very comforting.
1: Yours is too, John. Thanks for <laughs> inviting me. This was really sweet.
0: I look forward to doing this again. I'm very grateful for your attention, for your vulnerability and the wonderful things you had to share.
1: Yeah. Um, you were such a good interviewer. This was really fun. If <laughs>
0: awesome. you're ever
1: in Michigan, let me know.
0: I'll come skateboard and hopefully not. Enjoy-
1: yes. Yes, I've got, <laughs> I, we have full pads and the helicopter. Oh, let's
0: go. All right, I'm good then. I'm, I'll, I'll definitely be joining.
1: Cool. Thanks, John. I hope awesome the rest morning. of your day is
0: good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can discover all of Marley's wonderful creations on her website. And the domain name for Marley's website is (laughs) MarleyGrace.space. I kind of like how that rhymes. So it's spelled M-A-R-L-E-E-G-R-A-C-E dot space. S-P-A-C-E. And that's Marley Grace, M-A-R-L-E-E-G-R-A-C-E dot space. And if Instagram's more your jam, you can easily locate her at Marley Grace. So at M-A-R-L-E-E-G-R-A-C-E. I really appreciate you listening to Marley's conversation. And I hope you get her book. And also stay up to date with us on the Time Off Book at timeoffbook.com.